0: Welcome back to another episode of the Mental Dimes Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck. This week, just me and the coach. We are talking name, image, and likeness in the NCAA, and we are joined by Sports Illustrated's Mike McAllister to give his thoughts for up north the Let the drama kick Let the drama kick, let the drama kick Let the drama kick, let the drama kick the drama kick, the drama now which will forever be remembered for college athletics it is the name image and likeness and how now players can be endorsed for such things and so just to start off I know coach and I both have our general feelings on the topic I've been reading about it throughout the week and ever since the Supreme Court came down with their decision in the Alston case it has been kind of gearing up to today and so just to start off what are your general thoughts you know kind of Pros and really just pros and cons because there are good things out of this, there are bad things out of this, and just who do you see benefiting? But just overall general feelings towards this whole change.
1: It, it, I've I've always thought it seemed odd to me that you could have a um, accounting major, mm-hmm. we'll say, that happens to have a huge social media following, and he could be an influencer and push product on his social media pages and make money off of it. Mm. If you're a, a basketball player, lacrosse player, baseball player, wrestler, whatever, at a college, and you have the same social media following, you can't. That always seemed odd to me. Now, so I, I think it's good that, that student-athletes have the opportunity to do stuff like that. Like I was reading about um, there's a pair of twins that play basketball um, yeah. for the women's program at Fresno State, I believe it is. And they have a TikTok account together that has 3.3 million followers and so midnight hits and they immediately sign a deal with boost mobile and some nutrition company and whatever right so that they're gonna make big money off of endorsements on their tiktok page and you know those types of things i think are are cool i think are beneficial now where you could run into issues and i know that it's supposedly in the rules that you that you're not allowed to do some of this stuff but it's uh, paying recruits to come to your mm-hmm. school through some of this stuff, whether it's wink, wink, nudge, nudge promises. Those are the types of things that um, I worry about. And I think that's an example of where the NCAA had a failure in all of this, which is they basically just kind of sat back and said, yeah, we know this is coming everyone's pushing this, but we're just going to sit here and pretend like it's never going to happen. And then when it does, And they lose Supreme Court cases. And it's basically like, all right, it's here. They basically say, we're going to leave it up to everyone else. Mm. And so it's again, the NCAA that's supposed to be running all of this is again saying, we take no responsibility for how all of this is going to work. So now you essentially have the wild, wild west out there. And again, I don't think it's a bad thing that athletes are able to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. I just think that there need to be some parameters, not only to protect um, schools, but also to protect the players themselves from being taken advantage of in certain situations. Um, And just to make sure, you know, everything's on the up and up and it doesn't um, further the gap between the haves and the have nots in college athletics, but it's, It's a good thing, I think, for the most part, but I think also is another example of the NCAA's failure at leadership and how they've handled this whole thing.
0: I do have to give the NCAA credit, which I think they're far from doing the best thing that they could have. But you went into Wednesday with you only had a handful of states that were allowing students to be endorsed. And they do come out with these rules. They're very, very open-ended. And it's kind of, it's just, when you read, there's one rule and I'll have to look it up while we're talking, but it's, it's the rule. They don't, they don't directly tell universities they can't be involved, but they kind of leave it up to universities say, well, you can't, you can't advise. And honestly, if I'm a student, if I'm a university, your goal should be to, you want to advise them and just say, hey, look, this is what you can do. You obviously can't endorse certain products like alcohol and gambling and things like that, but you want to be able to advise your student athlete. And that's the type of thing that I could see as, well, West Virginia, they really know how to have their players make money. They know how to advise them. Unlike Cal Berkeley can't handle it. They're not very good. And that could be a tactic that West Virginia could use and other schools like them that do well with the advising. To bring people in to where they're not technically paying them, but in a way they're paying them because well they help make the best deals for their student athletes.
1: Yeah, I, I don't have an issue with. Um, we will put you in the best position possible to profit off of your name, image, and likeness. Some schools are going to be better at that than others. Um, you know, you use West Virginia as an example. Um, I cover Syracuse. Syracuse has a communications program that is considered, if not the best in, in the country, it's, you know, number two, uh, I know Northwestern fans will think that they're number one, but regardless of, of that separate discussion, um, Syracuse should be able to take advantage of that. Any student athlete that, um, is looking to major in communications, Syracuse should be able to leverage that in some mm-hmm. way to give them name, image, and likeness possibilities. Syracuse also has a huge alumni base in New York City. You should be able to partner with some companies in New York City to give opportunities there because we know that is one of the biggest um, markets in in the country and, and in the world. So there are opportunities for schools, um, I think to partner with certain things to Um, get themselves in the best position to make that pitch when you're recruiting, you know, it's not only about, this is what our roster looks like. Uh, This is the role that we're going to have you play. This is why the system is the best fit for you. But also this is why it's the best fit for you in the NIL situation, because you will be able to have the most opportunities to make money here, as opposed to the other schools you're looking at. I don't have a problem with that. My concern with the whole NIL thing is essentially, you'd have a booster that says to a five-star quarterback who's looking at, um, we won't use schools that typically get lumped in with those things. So we'll say five-star quarterback is choosing between um, Delaware and South Dakota State. We'll just throw those two random schools out there. So five-star quarterback is choosing between those two schools. And a booster for Delaware comes up to the kid on his visit and says, listen, if you come here, I'm promising you that we're going to give you a $300,000 NIL deal. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Okay, cool. Now I'm going to go to Delaware. That's, you can have in the rules all you want. And there's going to be people that are going to break those rules. And I get that to a certain extent. Um, There's an argument to be made that stuff like that is going on now without all this NIL stuff. But, um, you know, I, I just think without clear cut guidance and, you know, some foresight on the NCAA's part, there's concerns that stuff like that could happen. There could be loopholes that we can't even think of right now that, that could become problematic. So I, I think this is going to be a very fluid situation. It's going to be really interesting, I think, over the next uh, few weeks and, and several months to see how this all plays out.
2: I've I've never been pro paying playing co- or I have never been for paying college athletes, but me personally, my perception is you know just as far as the integrity of the game, I've never wanted universities to be able to play or to be able to pay the players, and I think the way the NCAA has done that has made a good bridge. It's it's given the you know your college athletes, your superstars who are promoting it, it's kind of padding it and saying okay, all right, we're paying your players, but it's we're not letting the university pay them. So for me, this is a good middle ground where it it combines and it it appeases both sides of the situation. Um, I know Chuck talked about it earlier before the show started um, about ways boosters could pay the athletes. And I think it's kind of like you hit on a little bit, Mike, there's always going to be loopholes no matter what rules are set in stone. There's always going to be stuff that we can't think of that lawyers and agents are going to tap on. but just one question I have for you, do you think that this is headed in the right direction or do you think it's going to spiral down?
1: I don't know that anybody knows that right now. I think, <laughs> I think there's a concern that it could spiral out of control. Right. Uh, but I think I think at least the initial part of it, you know, the the first week or so, I think 99% of it's going to be stuff that's on the up and up, you know, kids going on Cameo. Um, yeah. I've already seen Buddy Beheim and Jimmy Beheim are already on Cameo. There's there's a, a company called Yoke, which apparently is um uh at least for, for purposes of student athletes, you can I think you pay for time to play video games with them, is kind of my understanding. Of I it. think
0: I think I know it's gaming because West Virginia, yeah. Isaiah Cotrell just posted about that on Instagram 15 minutes ago about that. Yeah, and, and I saw getting so- into gaming.
1: Right. And I saw several um, Syracuse football players do the same thing. They were posting about yoke. And so I think it's, it's kind of taking the cameo idea, but making it a little bit. So instead of paying for them to send a video message to a family member, you're paying to maybe you play Madden against them, or maybe you play call of duty with them for an hour or whatever the case is. Um, I think that's kind of the, the theory behind it. So those types of things, you know, I, I think those are going to happen initially, um, and I think a lot of those things that happen are going to be on the up and up. They're going to be fine. You know, as the deal we mentioned with boost mobile with the, the um, Fresno state women's basketball players, things like that um, pushing product on social media influencers, that stuff's going to happen. I think that stuff's going to be fine. I think we're going to get into the stuff that's going to be problematic. I think that's probably not stuff that's going to happen until months down the road. But I, I think the initial first wave of this is going to be pretty much on the up and up and, and just positive stuff, kids making money, pushing products, etc.
0: I think I, I'm i to to if when I've never been a big supporter of paying players, especially when I've been there in college, the, my time at college, it's I, you see how some of them live, especially power five. It's different. It is different, uh, but there are limitations to what they do. And I think, and like the yoke know, gaming, I mean, there is, I could go on there if I was good enough to stream and game and stuff like that, and I could advertise things and I could make money. Well, poor kid who's playing football on Saturdays in front of millions and millions of people making millions and millions of dollars for the university can't do that. So in the end, this is a good thing, especially since a lot of it is harmless. So it's going to get annoying because all they're going to be posting about is on social media is, <laughs> hey, I'm wearing this shirt that I picked up from Target, and so that's all we're going to see for a while, (laughs) but it is good. I think the negatives are outweighed by the positives, and it is just a matter of time, and I think that's why the NCAA, of course, they don't come out with any concrete rules on Wednesday night, and so it's just, well, we'll wait and see. Okay, you could prevent a lot of things that are going to happen, but you're going off of we have faith in so-and-so not to do this that's that's great that's a wasted amount of time to have that kind of faith in a booster to not do something stupid and just get and i think the loophole that there is in this is the boosters and i think i don't understand why there isn't a limitation on the involvement of a booster and what they can do obviously they can't directly pay them but there's a loophole there that they'll be able. we to all know it's going to happen yeah, it's going to happen. I think there, there are a lot of things. It's just inevitable. We love to think that, oh, no, this is going to work out squeaky clean. It's not it's sports. It's college and it's not. And so that's when you look at these things and you look at if there's one aspect of it right now, Mike, if uh, if it could change, what's the one thing that you think is it's maybe oh, like the boosters. Do you think that just in the eventually, despite anything happening, that just gets cut out completely, boosters have no involvement at all?
1: Yeah, I I think that's one um, that would make the most sense. That's probably where I would go. Um, And, you know, it's funny, the NCAA saying, you know, hey, we trust boosters not to do the wrong thing. (laughs) And it's like, well, wait a minute. Historically, when you've investigated institutions for major issues, it's been because of boosters doing nefarious things. And they know this because they did those investigations. They sanctioned those, those universities. And, you know, you think back to Miami football back in, back in the day when, mm. when they had some of their investigations um, you think about Syracuse basketball has, has had issues with, with um, the NCAA. So it's, it's kind of funny to me how they'll say that and in one breath when they know in the back of their minds that it's not even close to true. Um, But, you know, what the NCAA decides to investigate what they don't, you know, I mean, it's, it's all a guessing game pretty much. I I, sometimes I think they have a dart board um, in, in someone's office that's got all the schools listed on it. They throw a dart and say, Oh, I guess we're investigating them next week Um, because you see stuff all the time that raises red flags that you would think should prompt at least an inquiry and never does um, because it largely depends on how much money they make for the NCAA. Um, North Carolina can have fake classes for almost three decades and the NCAA comes out and says, not our jurisdiction. Then at the same time, you have um, a academic advisor that edits a citation on a paper that is their jurisdiction. So, I mean, who knows, but you know, the, the NCAA isn't going to do anything that makes sense. I don't have confidence that they're going to, (laughs) Um, but if, if I was going to, if I was running things and I was going to put a rule in place, yeah, the boosters would be where I'd start. I I don't know that I would at least initially make it so that they didn't have any involvement, but I would, I would put some sort of cap on it in terms of either a dollar amount or um, how many student athletes they can, quote unquote, endorse or whatever the case is. I think there needs to be some set of parameters around boosters involvement in, in the NIL stuff.
2: I feel like the only reason it's let alone is because they know it's going to happen. They know the boosters are going to get involved somehow, some way. So maybe if they allow it, they can might have more oversight than they might normally do. Um, and maybe kind of patrol it a little bit better. But to me, it's almost just a silly rule to have because you know, you know it's going to get abused by so many people.
0: Yeah, and I think I think you're right, Behringer. I think it's just let it happen, and then you can say, oh, well, they should have known better, so now we're really going to hammer it down, and then you're kind of locked up too much, and then it just it, – then you think it's a little overboard, uh, which, of course, is always our first thing that we want to think. But another one that I thought was interesting, and I know this was my first reaction Wednesday when it came out with the rules of the NCAA, NCAA had announced, for the first – was the i thought oh now i can go to the bookstore and i can buy a jersey of whoever and i can wear that and they that pay, player can get that money they still can't because the university can't pay them so the university can't put that jersey out anymore so this is a nice step this is like the supreme court case a couple weeks ago but this is again a nice step towards not the death of amateurism because now they're getting paid but it is a nice step towards just in general college athletics getting representation for their players so now you look at when do we start thinking about okay when do we now we really focus on can universities pay their players directly which in turn turns it just into another professional league almost
1: yeah that's a whole new can of worms I think because you get into, and I, and I know it's been discussed and there is, it's not a payment per se, but there is, you know, a per diem and, and an allowance that, that athletes get um, from the universities to, to pay for, you know, ancillary expenses and such, but, but they do get um, some form of, of payment um, even if it's not a, you know, salary per se um, currently, but to go beyond that and to start the, the problem is, how do you tell you know the start are you going to do a salary structure similar to professional leagues where the better players get paid more um and how do you then tell the soccer team you're not getting anything but that football player is getting 100 grand a year it, it sets up because all of these different um sport programs are within the same university it complicates it much more than a sports league like the NBA or the NFL because they only have to worry about you know their individual team if, if you're looking at I'm, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan if you're looking at the Philadelphia Eagles right they only have to worry about the salary cap and who they're paying on their team for their individual team. They don't have to worry about how much the Minnesota Vikings are paying their backup safety. They don't care. They're, they're worried about how much they're paying their guys. They also don't have to worry about how much the Philadelphia 76ers are paying their basketball players, how much the Philadelphia Phillies are playing their baseball players, um, how much the professional sports league and Phila- professional soccer league uh, team in Philadelphia is paying their players. Uh, whereas with the university, all of that has to factor in and you're going to have sports like volleyball, rowing, golf, uh, tennis, etc., where they aren't making the kind of money that football, basketball, you know, even some other sports like lacrosse and some other schools where baseball is, is pretty popular. Um, they make decent money for the university. That's not going to be the case for some of those other programs. And so I think you set yourself up to, to be in a really bad spot where certain programs are going to be jealous of other programs. Um, And, and even within a football program, how much are you paying the starting quarterback versus the punter? It's a, such a huge can of worms in my opinion, that I think they need to really figure out this NIL stuff and see how it goes there for a while before they start trying to venture into direct payments to players. I think
2: that would wreck the league. Yeah. There's just no so many things that could go wrong and just completely mess that up. <laughs> it's like we said earlier, once you start paying players, you can't just cut it off. No. You know, if they ever did open up that worm. I mean, you can't just, all i right, right, we're going to quit paying these people three months into it. I think Chuck hit on that earlier. Same way with this NIL. You can't just stop it once you start it. And now air, it's here, done. Right, right. And so that's that's to me, I hope they never it never comes to that point um I hope this NIL thing works out and for the betterment and I I hope it pans out real well
0: I think the last thing I want to touch on is just I hope a lot of these players on the football team and the basketball team realize that I'm not going to be making thousands and thousands of dollars off of this just because it's here now and I hope my worry is that it could cause rifts in the locker room because this player is making this amount of money, but we're on the same team, we're on the same, and I know you'd like them to think about it being professionals, but they're not, and so they might see it as just a difference. But my, my bad, so-and-so has 14,000 social Instagram followers, and I only have 4,000, so so-and-so is going to be able to charge 100 bucks per post, and I can only charge 50 And so then my issue is, could it cause rifts just because everyone thinks now, oh, I should be able to make thousands and thousands off of this, but they can't.
1: Yeah, it can add frustration for sure. And an example that we discussed earlier, um, I know I've brought it up a couple of times, but um, the the two girls for the Fresno State basketball team, um, I I look at them and the fact that they've got 3.3 million uh, TikTok followers and they signed contracts with major companies they're going to be making you know decent money off of that with with the following they have on social media now they're going to be going into a locker room where no offense to fresno fresno state women's basketball program it is not a program that gets national recognition it is not a program that's on television they don't get exposure and so you're now going to have two guards in that in that uh, locker room that are going to be making you know potentially thousands of dollars per month And if not at least hundreds of dollars per month, and you could have basically everyone else in that locker room making almost nothing from this. So does that cause a rift there? I think it's a valid concern. You already have, you know, jealousy issues here sometimes with um, locker rooms where certain players are more popular than other players and um, within the fan base, get more national attention, et cetera. It doesn't happen a ton, but it does happen. Now, I think you have the potential for that to, um, to grow to some extent um, where, you know, if before you didn't care that the fact that the quarterback got more attention and you're an offensive lineman, and you're just willing to go through the motions and whatever it takes for the team to win, you're happy. But now if because of that quarterback's popularity, he's making $800 a month, you're making 40 bucks a month. And you're like, well, the only reason he's successful, because I'm blocking for him. And you're still not getting that attention. There's the potential that that could be an issue. Um, that's a good point. That's you know, so a good point. I don't know how much that's going to happen. Um, I think that, but that's, that's definitely something to keep an eye on, especially with the sports like basketball and football that are a little bit more mainstream. Um, I think when you start getting into ancillary sports, you're really only going to have that issue. If you happen to have someone that's a major social media influencer in their own right outside of the sport, and they happen to be also playing a sport, there could become a rift within that locker room potentially, um, as I mentioned with the with the two girls from, from Fresno State. But I think largely um, a lot of that stuff will, will work itself out and be okay. But it's definitely something I think that is a valid concern, and it's going to be an extra challenge for coaching staffs to try to manage that situation so that their locker room on game days and in practice and within their program is, um, you know, cohesive and and maintains that, that
2: culture of togetherness. I got one final question for you, Mike. So this is a, one is a huge pet peeve of mine. I have never understood why NCAA does this, but I can't stand when people get stripped of their wins. I may be partial just because Beheim got stripped of all his wins. Um, But looking back, you know, with this NIL, one thing that's came up is, you know, Reggie Bush wanting his Heisman Trophy back. You know, all that stuff happened. Um, if you could decide, if you were in the NCAA right now, do you let Reggie Bush have his Heisman Trophy back? I let him have his Heisman Trophy back. I let the Fab Five have
1: their wins back, Jim Beheim, because his wins back. I mean, listen – I never liked the fact that you took wins and trophies away. Anyway, Syracuse lacrosse, 1990 NCAA championship. They get their lacrosse championship back. Um, I never liked taking those things away because I saw them happen. Right. I think Mm -hmm. you punish the program going forward when you learn about stuff like that. So that it really hurts them. Now, I understand the thought of, well, if you don't take wins away, then you aren't punishing the people that did the deed to begin with. I get that. But again, we all saw them happen. And so to say, well, Jim Beheim's going to break a thousand wins for the second time. I mean, it's it's dumb. Right. I agree. Um, But, you know, so stuff. And, you know, the other thing is they originally took Joe Paterno's wins away. Right. And then they gave him the wins back. And his the part of the reason that they took it up was covering up sex abuse against children that you're okay with giving wins back for, but for things that would not be violations now, but were then because of this NIL stuff, you're not going to give them wins back. Like it just doesn't seem equitable to me. Like uh, I don't think they should have ever been taken away to begin with, but yeah, if I'm at the NCAA and I had any power to influence that i'd give everyone that was ever stripped of any wins um trophies awards etc because of stuff like this i'd give it back if it was something more egregious like the joe paterno stuff um that i wouldn't give it back for for this but um yeah anything that would have that would now be legal for nil stuff then yeah i'd absolutely give it back
0: no i think i completely agree with both of you but um it's definitely going to be changing. It's This is not the end. This Just because it's July 1st does not mean it's the end, and it's a very, very early beginning to a long, long road of a lot of endorsement deals and a lot of money being passed around to college players. And I wish I could be looking at $1,000 coming up just because I take a picture of myself holding a water bottle from Dasani or someone. So <laughs> I, I think I might need to go try and walk on somewhere for uh, Coach Huggins or something like that and maybe take my swing at things but um I don't I think if coach doesn't have any other questions uh, I think we'll just wrap it up Mike thank you very much for being on here we really enjoyed this this is a great conversation about a very complex topic that's just going to keep changing and we would really love for you to come back when we are in football season we'd love to give definitely I know coach is going to have his preview on Syracuse but I'd like a legitimate preview on Syracuse <laughs> football for sure if you'd be willing to come I'm not, biased at, not biased at all
1: nationalized at all national champs Alabama should watch out that's That's what I'm talking about
0: (laughs) awesome well thank you Mike we really appreciate it thanks guys good to see you